and welcome to the Ted Jones World Podcast, guys. Today, another very special guest, Gianmarco Ceresi. How are you, sir? I'm very good. How are you? I'm great, dude. So you are just a man of all trades, it seems like. I see you doing stand-up, and then you're doing shows at Asylum NYC, which for the most part is a theater. So what are you, part of an in- improv group uh, over there? A sketch team. Uncle Function. Long time. Uh, uh, we've been together about seven years. Uh-huh. Started at the pit. Let's moved go. up to UCB. Nice. We were student monthly sold out shows UCB, and then boom, pandemic, boom, no more UCB. Was that the old loft on 24th Street over there on the east side? With the Avenue? pit loft? Yeah. Yeah, that's where we started pit loft and pit uh, underground in the basement. Uh-huh. That's where I kind of started stand up, and then pit striker. So we kind of worked our way up. Nice. The ladder, and then the ladder burnt to the ground. So I did UCB for the first time like six years ago. I did it one summer. I loved it. And then sure. just got kind of got distracted with doing other things and trying to find a, a quote, as they say, a real job, whatever. I worked for my dad's company for six and a half years. Um, I don't know if I've ever told what you that, but I've no. told um, you sure. know, these guys a millions of times. Uh, it was a real estate company. So I was basically like a property manager. And the thing was, when you're working for like your family's company, you can easily get caught in the mix. And a lot of years go by. Of course. So, you know, while I was doing that, it was fun. I definitely learned a lot about real estate. And since it is a family business, you know, I'll definitely know a ton of shit about New York City real estate, which is very valuable in the future. But the apartment's a great location. Yeah, now thank you, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I was taking UCB classes after work. And as you know, you know, they would do it once a week for like three hours a week. So I got really involved. And then about a year or so before the pandemic, I was going through the classes 101, uh, 201, 301, 401. And then I was about to try out for a Lloyd team. And, you know, I was getting super pumped about improv and then Corona happened. So both of us, you know, Corona definitely getting in the way. But yeah. I, I feel like we're moving now. We're moving and grooving. I just I saw your schedule for the next uh, oh, till boy. November, dude. Good for you, man. Dude, I'm torn it's, around looking for the next variant. But it's the thing, tough. <laughs> but I mean, you're it's crazy. You're booked in October already. That's great. Good for yeah, you. Yeah, it's exciting, man. It is uh, brutal. I mean, booking flights, I probably have 18 flights on the books. Wow. And just being in airports, and I joined the Delta, the Delta Club, so I get to use the air lounge. <laughs> have you ever used the lounge? The Sky Miles. I the believe Sky I Miles. have. This lounge is insane. Free yeah. buffet breakfast. So I get there. Now I get to the airport. Like I never used to get early. Now I get there three hours early. I eat everything they have. I make the most of it. But it's tough, man. Yeah. This is a, and I think the hardest is the first day you fly in. Because you fly in in the day of the show. You land. You feel like shit. And you got to go on stage and, like, bring it. So what's your process before going on stage? You know, landing and then going and, to the hotel. I mean, right now, I, I just try to go through all my material. Like, read through it. Maybe to get a notepad, write out all the stuff I want to work on that night. But... But sometimes it's it's too much. You're too tired, and you just gotta go up there and wing it. I'm getting closer to the point where I'm just gonna like land and be like fuck it, and just go on stage and do it. Are you um, like cautious about eating too close before showtime or stuff like that? I'm fine with eating. So not, I keep eating like right before I go on stage, and then the whole show I'm like, there's things in my teeth, there's things in my teeth, and you'll see me on stage like like touching my mouth and mm-hmm. shit. But no, I'll eat before a show. I won't really drink if I'm doing like a two show day. I will not have a beer. Maybe I'll have a beer on stage for that first show, but I will not start drinking before that first show. Right. Two beers in, I'm yeah. I'm pretty I'm not a drinker, so uh-huh. that's like I feel my mouth get thicker on stage. I hear you. Do you smoke weed at all? I do, but I've only done a couple times before. I would like to do a show. And I did a one or two 
where you're supposed to be high. Sure, right, right, right. Like they, they had one at um, Asylum. Well, it wasn't like a stand-up show. It was just an, I think. At uh, Asylum? It was like a game-style show. I think they still have it going on, Weeding Out the Stone. Basically, like, apparently 15 out of, like, the 16 people smoke weed before the show. I was one of the people who smoked nice. weed before the show. And then one of them, you have to guess, if you're in the crowd, like, oh, that guy's not hot, which is very difficult to That's do. That's a fun game, man. <laughs> yeah. I would love to do that. I'm totally down. Uh. I'm totally down for, like, edible it hits right as you're on stage as long as we're all aware sure but like if i'm stoned i really i start you start doing that thing are they laughing at my jokes or are they laughing at how stoned i am right now and once you get in that headspace it's over yeah over so for the most part when you're on the road are you going to be doing an hour yeah yeah i mean i'll do an hour 15 if i can nice man um again we'll see like you know i'm super like one all the time i can and then you do a three show day and you're like okay i'll do 45 is that all right. I have to do? Right. But uh, you, you can see where people are on their trajectory. Where like, I'm there. I'm like, how much time can I do? And then other comics are like, is 30 enough? And they're mm. like, yeah. So we'll see. And then booking the flights and everything you were saying, are you doing that? I mean, I got, I got a manager. I got an agent. I got a social media person. I, yeah. got, I got people wiping my ass. I'm doing I'm uh-huh. hiring stuff for everybody. But no, there's still like, I don't have an assistant. Okay. That would be like an assistant. It's tough because it really does feel like I've hit a point where I'm like, I, I know what an, I could employ an assistant. Time-wise, I couldn't pay them yet. Okay. So the moment I can, though, I need help. Right. I need help. If those calendar things, like, you know, where you book yeah, it and it automatically goes to your calendar, uh-huh. if that didn't exist, I'd be yeah. missing every flight. <laughs> every flight. And then you start dealing. You start booking things, EST, CST, uh, PST. Right. Yeah, you got the And you're putting in and rehearsals stuff. of this while you're yeah. here and there. It is crazy. So what do you like more now, improv or stand-up? I've always been stand-up. Stand- I mean, no, no, I haven't always been. I am stand-up fully. I did. I started as an actor. I wanted to be Daniel Day Lewis, uh-huh. and then I was like, "Oh, I, I don't want to do a long day's journey into the night once, let alone twice, matinee day." And then I got into sketch, and then a stand up. I just fell in love with man. Uh-huh. I used to do. I never was great at improv at UCB. I got a report card, and they said they always said I needed to be less mean in my scenes, and that's when I knew I was a stand up. So you needed like more yes and not ne- not necessarily yes and, but it would be like. Yes, and your mom hates you. Right. Like, it, my additions were always, like, or really like that idea cynical so and mean. Right. And just, like, just I was just always a mean character. Okay. So I'd say yes, and, but but it would be mean. It's really a different beast. I mean, improv and stand-up. People tend to not think so much, but, like, I feel like if you're a natural improv person and you go to do stand-up, same kind of, it, they're very different. You know, well, TJ Miller's been going around New York. He's doing, been doing improv sets, yeah. and he does. I mean, it's mostly improvised, and mm-hmm. I don't think I could pull it off. Again, I'd love if someone said you have to do it for a show. Yeah. I'd love someone said, "Gun to your head, you have to do all improv tonight." Yeah, but I like to write stuff down. It comes from my acting days. I right. think I was just I learned lines, so I like writing down my my script, and then I'll riff and I'll go here and there. But I, I, I like to know what I'm doing a little For the bit. most part, um, you know, I know you do anywhere from what like two to six shows a night. Do you kind of have like a different 10 to 15 minutes for all those shows or you kind of mix it up. Whatever. I mix it up. It's really, it's, it's kind of, I'm at a place now. Like I'm trying to record a set to submit for late night. So I have to like run that oh, like and I have five to fine tune it. And I hate that. It's okay. my least favorite part is putting together like a tight something. Or and other. just all super clean. Right. So uh, for that sort of clean, you know, you push it and you see what you can get away with. Right, right, right. But speaking of clean, I'm about to do a, uh, it's called Gilda's Laugh Fest, and I'm I got booked to be on the Clean Showcase. We're recording twelve minutes for a channel on SiriusXM called Laugh USA. Okay, and you can make a lot of money, but it's like 
squeaky clean. Yeah. And I got I have a I have a list um right here I'll pull it up but but I have a list of like the words you're not allowed to say. <laughs> and, like, is ass on there? Oh, ass, damn. Oh, it's it's I'll read it cuz it is it is So it must be it, it must be like a G-rated or I mean not even PG-rated if it's going to be super squeaky clean. It's it's beyond I mean it's it's like they don't want you, they also don't want you to be mean. They also don't want you to I'm Jewish. You're not allowed to say religious Jew. Okay. You're not allowed to say Jew. You can talk about religious, I'm sure, like in very broad terms. Right. But uh, uh, it's fascinating. And in a way, these rules, sometimes they become, they censor to the point of you can't even speak about yourself. I've heard from black comedians where like they end up not being able to even to talk about being black because like the restrictions are like, well, no race stuff. Yeah. So it just becomes... It's problematic. Sure. Also, I find it all very problematic. Well, but I'd also be interested to hear your 12-minute set, because for the most part, I mean, you're not dirty really at all. Mm, see, people think that. Yeah. But, like, I have a lot of dirty stuff. When you, you saw me, I was, like, working on this late night, so there's some yeah. kind of stuff. But I have suicide stuff. Okay. And I curse like a sailor. Right. I think I don't give the impression of a dirty comedian. <laughs> and so people, I think that's why I was booked for this thing. Uh-huh. So read what, whatever you're uh, whatever uh, Yeah, let me, let me pull up. Gilda's. Um, but I love talking about suicide. I love talking about depression. And where'd you grow up? I guess we'll pull that Potomac, up. Potomac, Maryland. Okay. Uh, very, very dull, dull place. Uh, sorry, so many fucking emails. About oh, good, dude. The and travel. You, and what, the, you went to college there? I uh, know I went to college, University of Miami. U Miami, yeah, wow, yeah, man. yeah, that's great, dude. I almost went to U Miami, so I was uh, I played tennis in college, and it was kind of between like mm. me going to UConn, being able to play right away, or going to U Miami, having to wait a little bit just because they had such a good tennis team in terms of playing right away in the lineup. I see, but I, I mean, I love Miami. My dad is down there for the most part. Um, a few months out of the year, lives down there. So I was down there like a, I was down there two weeks ago. I opened for uh, Hannah Burner down there. Oh, you at know, Miami it was so f- oh, I didn't know. Is that how we know each other through Hannah Burner? When you well, said I, tennis, I was about yeah. to say you should have Hannah Burner on. <laughs> so she did my have, podcast. So I, I think I just saw you on like a few flyers. That's why I initially got reached it, out got to it. you. And then, by the way, Gianmarco Ceresi was on the Ted Jones Comedy Show about three weeks ago. Murder. Dude, what a great turnout that Yo, night, right? That, that, was, was, a that was a good show. fantastic show. Yeah, it was Okay, dope. great. Here we go. We got this Let's list. Let's go. Laugh USA guidelines. They didn't say I couldn't read this. Um, okay, so <laughs> no cussing. Uh, no overtly sexual. No excrement discussions. Big, big thing. No drug-based humor. Um, uh, avoid Nick, Nick DiPaolo-style humor. And What's so here's, that? What's Nick DiPaolo? He's just like a... I mean, he's kind of a conservative comic these days, but he's just a mean, just just talks shittily, misogynistic. He, I mean, he, he has some fantastic jokes, but yeah, it, it's not a great example, I don't think. So the word list. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah. Ready, class? <laughs> ass, ass, asshole, bastard, bitch, blowjob, clitoris, cock, crap, excrement, cum, cunt, damn, dick, dickhead, dildo, douche, dumbass, uh, the D word for lesbians, the F word, uh, fellatio, <laughs> feck, F-E-C-K, fuck, goddamn homo, hooker. I, I had to slow down because there's some words here I can't say. Uh-huh. Jackass jerk, masturbation, jizz, motherfucker, the N word, nuts, testicles, pecker penis, pimp, piss, poop, prick, penis, prostitute, pubic, pussy, queer, sex, chits, slut, smegma. You remember smegma? Uh, spunk, tit, turd, twat, vagina, and 
before. So if you said a word that was maybe controversial outside of those 100 words, you think you'd be good with it? Like no. It's, it almost feels like they've covered every word, every No, base. I don't know how this is. This is my first time doing this kind of thing. Yeah. I'm hoping someone watches. I get to do 12 shows of doing this, and they pick the best recording. So I'm hoping someone's there, the first two, to be like, hey, just so you know, yeah, that joke that about your dad maybe killing himself. You yeah. didn't say suicide. Like, suicide's not on there. Yeah. I'm sure I can't make a suicide. Where do you do these 12 shows, then? So this is in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Okay. Uh, it's called Gilda's Laugh Fest. Okay. And it's, uh, I don't think the whole festival is clean. Like, Maria Bamford's headlining, and I'm like, Maria Bamford is not clean yeah. by any stretch. So I just think I'm part of the clean showcase, and it's like me and five other comics just uh, just shooting the shit. I'm sure some of them are clean all the time, Yeah, but I'm not clean by nature. My dad cursed. Even when I was a kid, my dad, he was a businessman, so he was yeah. on the phone. He'd say, fuck shit, bitch, cunt, yeah. hand me the phone. I'd be like, hi, mom, <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was that kind of – that's just part of my DNA. So how did you get from U Miami to New York? So I went to college for musical theater, Okay, and I wanted to do theater. I was really into theater. I joined an acting company after college. I moved to Philly for a year to be part of that company, and I just moved to New York trying to meet casting directors and agents and managers and uh, got sucked into, looking back on it, very scammy kind of you pay to meet these people. Yeah, man. That, hap- that happens a lot, though. Yeah, it's it's like it's a scam, but I got shit out of it, you know, but I had I had my parents were helping me out and I poured a shitload of money into it. In L.A., those kinds of things are more uh, you're not allowed to do them. Casting directors get in trouble and, and they're, they really monitor. Are you offering parts? Are you? Yeah, uh, but but that's what I did. I should have gone to UCB. Mm-hmm. I should have found a community, but I was just like, I'm going to game the system. Uh, I looked at the scam, and I was like, almost like, well, if I put enough money into the scam and I'm good work. enough, it'll work. And half a half. I wonder what they're going to do in terms of, like, improv in New York City again. I mean, UCB closed. I mean, the only real improv right now, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, is over there at Asylum. Maybe Pit Loft, too? Yeah, I mean, the Pit the pit lost its beautiful striker space. It was a great theater. We'll see. Like, part of me, I'm like, well, it's kind of exciting. You know, I think UCB had a lot of flaws. And so it's like, it's the Wild West. I was thinking a lot about the fact that Jim Carrey, these days, if he was coming up now, he'd be like a character guy. But back in the day, stand-up kind of encompassed all of this shit. So stand-up lineups would be a mix of comics and Jim Carrey doing whatever the fuck he was doing. And so maybe... Maybe the worlds will start to blend a little bit again. I think that could be cool. And then uh, I think Asylum is a beautiful space. My friend Chris Caffaro, he's he kind of leads Uncle Function. He's starting a monthly sketch showcase at the pit, Uncle Function Presents. So people are trying to, like, rebuild and maybe figure something out that's equitable. I think it's very tough with improv where I think improv can be amazing. Some stand-ups really hate improv. Yeah, I think no, improv I can love be, it. I'd like when you see a really good one. I mean, I'm, even that's like always the health, caveat. Same yeah, with yeah. stand-up, though. When you see a really bad anything, it's not good. Well, the the thing is about stand-up is like you'll have what six to however many people on the show. So you know, maybe one or two of them would be funny, but like improv, Very everyone's got to ma- mesh together. Very good and like point. Hell's Kitchen, that UCB theater. I remember I used to see people like. Or groups like Stepfather, stuff like that, and I would just be dying laughing from like. I would how take good dates. I would take dates yeah, to yeah, go yeah. see exactly uh, Grandmother's Ashes, and it was like amazing. <laughs> it was, but I think what sucks is I just think about in terms of like scaling up. So like I'm headlining this year, and yes. it's very it's very cool. But there are some shows where I'm traveling to fucking you know Utah for two days, and I'm making a thousand bucks total. 
maybe 400 for the airfare, and they give me a hotel. And, like, you divide – if improv was something you toured and that was the level – as a stand-up, I'm like – I feel like I'm at a good place. But you were have a, an improv team of five or six people and you split up $1,000, no one's making any money. So it's, sometimes it's hard to be like, well, how does it scale up? And I feel yeah. bad because improv as an art form in a capitalist society is hard to scale up. Yeah, and also you're not really – I mean, at most, you're probably performing improv if you're lucky three times a week, right? Sure. Something like that. And stand-up, like you, you probably have somewhere around, what, 20 spots a week, something like that some weeks? Yeah. So, I mean, you definitely have much more exposure being a stand-up and also being an improv and a stand-up, you know, best of both worlds. But it's tough. Like, even for me to transfer from improv, what I love, to do stand-up, it took a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, because I was just so comfortable going out there and – the audience doesn't really know what's coming at them. You know, it could be a funny, it could be a transition, but stand up, you're going up there and you're like, okay, you're supposed to laugh at most of the things yeah. I'm saying right now. Improv, and, you can like kind of build the story. Whatever. Sure. And there's just a certain degree of like stand up is so competitive that if you're going to figure out like fully improvised sets, like God bless trying to get in at some of these clubs until you're amazing at it. Like amazing. Because it, let's say it's a, it's, a Broadway comedy club, there's 15 people there. They're all in a bad mood. I have ironclad jokes that I can work. But if you're like an improv comic and the booker's there that night and you're figuring this out, yeah. it's going to be rough. Yeah. And stand-up, like, it feels like there was a different time in stand-up where, at least in some places, you could bomb sometimes and be experimental sometimes. Now it's like a lot of these clubs, they're not, they're not insane. If you have one bad set, you're banned for life. But you have a couple... You know, you're you're nervous. You're getting less spots because there's a million comics behind you dying to get it. So what are some of your favorite uh, comedy clubs in New York City right now? I mean, I'm Cellar. Comedy Cellar was last November, and it really is such a glorious place to be. I mean, it's it felt like a real life-changing thing. And you get to be with, like, you just get to be with, like, a lot of your peers. And everyone who's there, they take it seriously. They take comedy seriously. This is their, their livelihood. So I got to meet just a lot of people and, and just, just came to like sit at a table with Colin Quinn. And, and it was so interesting. I just recently like sat down, had the chutzpah to sit down at the table next to him. And we ended up just talking about comedy. And it's very funny when someone, his, him far along, who like wants to talk about comedy theory yeah. with someone like me and then talk about whatever metaphors get us through the day. And uh, that's been amazing. I mean, the stand's an incredible place. Any place that books me, I will. I will talk. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then course, I still, I still do like LOL, which is this rough and tumble club Times that. Square. Yeah, well, it moved now to his. The owner had a gay bar that's called XOXO. That's now where it is. Um, uh, and I know a lot of comics who wouldn't do it, but I love it because that's where I go to work out shit. The further you, I think you always need to have a place where you can like bomb. And like a, a huge comic, the most famous comic in the world can go to the cellar and fuck around a little bit. And I can go to this club and explore a little bit. So in touring and, you know, having dates all the way probably like 10 months in advance, are you working on potentially selling your hour that you're working on for the next nine months? Like what is your timing looking like? I, I've always been a little bit less. It, I think every comic's figuring out their new footing in this world. I'd love to do a half se- half hour for Comedy Central. I'd uh-huh. love to do 15 minutes for Netflix. I'd love to do a late night spot. There's so many comics. I don't know when that's going to come up. I am also not particularly uh, passionate about like 
making the perfect hour until I've really decided I'm going to film an hour soon. I'd rather just fine-tune material, build new material, and just have a wealth of things to pull from in my life. I think uh, my shortcoming as a comic is I like just coming up with new. I don't always take the time to figure out an order. That never excites me. It's a, it's a chore for me. So I just go around and I, I fine-tune old stuff, write new stuff. I'm doing the social media game, which is one-liner things on yeah. TikTok, and then yeah, I put yeah, it yeah. here, 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 um, which, frankly, I'm making more money off the social media stuff than I am all the touring. Wow. So, so it's a weird uh, financial balance where the thing I want to do is perform live stand-up, yeah. but my, the majority of my income is from social media. Well, I mean, things. nowadays, like you talk about you know, just moving forward, you really got to mesh those two things together. You got to mesh everything. You know, you hear about comics maybe having a couple million uh, followers on TikTok, but they don't have a YouTube channel where yeah. they put up stuff. So yeah. um, I think it is, like you were saying, it's just like you got to really work on everything. The YouTube, the Instagram, the Twitter. And it's hard. It's TikTok. I'm always nervous because I think, in general, the trajectory of stand-up comedians is they get really good in the clubs. They build this incredible hour or so of material. Then they become so busy. They become so busy. And this is where I feel I am. Busy of, like, doing the social media, doing the podcast, doing the, the press stuff and the travel that it just starts – declining well the let quality me ask of you this stand-up. what do you think is the most important and, to, and out of all those i think i think like if you're if you're really in it for the long haul you you always got to prioritize the stand-up but but you start it's hard man it's hard because there is nothing like what i remember when i went to tacoma comedy club was like the first keep talking super far away comedy club i went to and when I'm in Tacoma, I've never been to the state of Washington, and I am there, and I'm I'm I've never been here before. And you're in this 300 seat. When was that? This was sometime last year, sometime sometime last year in 2021, probably like April, March, April, like almost May. a year maybe. Yeah. Okay. And you go, holy shit! How the fuck do I sell tickets in this place I didn't even know existed? For people who I don't know, I have no traction, and that's when you start going like, "Fuck, that's that's what and that's what I'm doing now," and it's it's wild, and 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 it's so it's slow. I'll go to Houston, Texas, and two people from the audience go, "I saw you on Facebook," and you're like, "Holy shit, I've worked so hard, and it's resulted in two. I need." A thousand. So you say for the other nine hundred ninety-eight people, they're going to that comedy club anyway because it looks like a fun headliner. Yeah, yeah. and okay. I'm sure now, I'm sure I'm going to go back to this particular club in in Houston called Rudyard's, and I bet you, you know, it'll be twenty-five per show, maybe that came from my Facebook ads, my Instagram, my reels, and like it's cool, but it's also like long way to go. Right, but that's also like I feel I kind of feel like the beautiful thing of comedy, you know, like you can go wherever you want now that you've built up, you know, enough backing just behind your name and your brand that these comedy clubs, you know, they want to fill a room on Saturday yeah. night. Let's pick Gianmarco to do that. Sure. Well, pe- it's so funny because I'll get people like from Germany. They'll be like, when are you coming to Germany? I'm yeah. like, when 1,000 more of you <laughs> want that. 
that's when I'll be in Germany. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm glad you'll be there. And also, the person writing me, I'll get to Berlin and they'll go, oh, shoot. I'm in Hamburg tonight. Well, or potentially the guy who owns that Berlin comedy club would reach out to you and you have, you know, a big enough name that that's who you really want to focus on, no? Sure. That, yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's starting, it's starting to happen. I mean, it's, you know, by calendar, it's, it's wild. It's wild how quickly it snowballed. Well, do you ever feel like you should say no more? Absolutely. But I would like to, like, lean into a touring life and, like, really feel it and really feel what it's like to I, – I think it will make me really strong as a comic. And then at some point I will have to. Right. I mean, I have to. I mean, my poor – you know, my poor, my poor girlfriend uh, who's in the business, she's a comedy manager, and, like – you know, it's hard to be like, hey, just so you know, no more weekends with your boyfriend. And she's coming to some of the gigs. But it's a hard life. It's a hard life for me. It's a hard life for, for, for any partner to deal with. And it's also hard with, like, my sketch team. I'm missing three of my sketch team shows in a row. And wow. that's at least right now. Okay. Who knows what's going to come down. So I will have to find a balance. But at least right now... Some of these clubs, it's a chain, and it's the first time I'm getting I'm getting a break. And oh, this club in Utah wants me. I want to break in. I say yes. Let's do it. Are you doing the? Um, I know you had so many dates on your list. I looked, but are you doing uh, Comedy Cellar in Vegas? I am. Yeah, that's I'm doing great. that uh, towards the end of March. Okay, and uh, I'm very excited. I did Vegas. I went to Vegas once when I was an actor. I, d- I did this. Uh, I was like the spokesman for General Electric, and I did some. Mm. insane gig in Vegas where it was just me showing up at a General Electric conference and I got paid 15 grand for the day. It was like yeah. the height of my acting That's career. So and I thought I thought I had entered that stratosphere of work like oh, I'll just you know work one day a month make day. 15 grand. Yeah. And uh that was that was definitely the peak so far. Uh-huh. So far. So for the most part um I don't know if you guys watching and listening know but like comedy every single show you're not getting paid so what do you think is the difference for you you know like you maybe you're making 2500 one night and then another night you're not making any money what do you see in terms of like okay this is valuable for me to do 2500 for this one night and then to do this for free is it just working on material like an lol like you said yeah i'm always i'm always like and i tell my agent too where like i want time the time is more important to me than the money. Sure. Where I'm at in life, money is fine. And I'm not trying to get more. Now, <laughs> if my girlfriend and I ever move in together, I think her priorities are slightly different. She's like, I'd like to move to a nice place. Yeah. But for me, where I am right now, I always want time. And I probably do some gigs that I, I should just probably start saying no to. But I also, when I'm not getting paid, I do feel a certain degree, and this is a, arrogant to a certain degree, but I'm like, well, if I'm not getting paid... I'm going to bring the notepad up there, and I'm going to work stuff out because, Interesting, you know, man. this is – and I'm not going to shit the bed. I'm not going to yeah. walk the audience. I'm not an audience walker yet. But uh, uh, that's where I'm at right now. And, again, that goes back to your point of saying no to things. I just want the time. I have so much I want to work out. I have so much I want to work on that that's what I value the most. And I'm, and I'm blessed that the social media is kind of paying the bills. So I don't really even look – at these headlining weekends, they could be paying me borderline anything. I mean, <laughs> I hope they don't take that. Right. But but that's not where the majority of the income is, so I'm just happy to break into the club. And when I go back there, when I go back there the second time, then we can start talking about, hey, this is insane. 
you find that having things on camera are more beneficial than having things just over the airwaves? Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm just doing a full full yeah, you got to press, man. Yeah, and you just you keep your ear to the ground, see what clicks, and and I just start telling those l- little jokes to the camera, and I caption them, and and it it worked. Thank God. Nice man. Nice. So, I mean, besides this touring for like the next almost year, what's on tap for the future? I mean, I'm auditioning for shit. I've yet to book. I honestly, you know, it's I, I, being a comedian is much, much more fruitful than being an actor, unless you're s- successful as an actor. But it is a miserable life. Um, and and I, I think acting, being an actor or being be- an actor. Yeah. Or being not, like a not successful actor because you're just dependent on. Your agents, and if your agents go quiet, you don't know. Is your are your agents not ignoring you? Are the casting directors ignoring you? Is your manager ignoring you? Do you suck? Do your self tapes suck? And I I'm very frustrated where all these casting offices you would you would go to their office to audition, and they might give you a note that might help you get into the next round. You might get to see them. So if you weren't right for the part, at least you got to to, to schmooze, and they liked you, and they brought you back. Now everything. The first audition is a self tape, and you gotta, you have to set up the camera yourself, or you have to go pay someone to do it and be your reader. You don't get any kind of feedback, and they'll give you these auditions where ten pages for an initial audition. You don't even have proof that they don't look at your slate. You go, "Hi, my name's Demarco. I'm six foot three, and they go, Bye. six foot three. Forget about it." Yeah. And then don't watch your tape that you spent hours working on. So there is a part of me that feels really fed up with the whole audition process. I find it. I find it wildly exploitative, and I think it's just been this way for so long that people accept it as, like, it's fine. And I'm like, I don't – I really don't – people call it a job interview. They're like, well, it's a job interview. And I'm like, no, you are testing what you want for your movie or your TV show. I think all auditions should be have a stipend attached, even initial auditions. And I just feel like in my life I'm going to get more acting work just off someone liking my stand-up uh-huh. sooner than me doing these self-tapes. If I book something, I'll be proved wrong. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I just find the whole world of acting to be so exploitative and just so time-sucking. And those that make it, they're the ones who tell the stories and make it seem like it was worth it. And those who, who transition into real estate mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> are, are the stories you don't hear as well. How, um, how do you feel that stand-up, you know, we talked about this earlier, stand-up or acting is going to change in the future with, like, metaverse or the idea of you putting on a headset and 500 people putting on a headset, and then you were just in the metaverse performing for 500 people all around the world. Do you see that as something that could potentially happen, and you're going to be making you know, fifty dollars to $100,000 from the well, privacy I think that of your own kitchen? I think that incentive will be there. I, I like to believe that we human beings, we have to do stuff in person, and this is after doing so many Zoom shows. I mean, and I, I got lucky. I mean, the pandemic, the end of 2020, I made – the most I've I've ever made from standoff because I was able to all these companies that were doing Zoom shows and corporate shows and all these holiday parties I would oh, sit nice. in my living room and I must have done It'd be like two hundred faces on the screen and I there was a couple times I did you know four hours of, of Zoom in a <laughs> row it was really exhausting you're sweating the back your your back sweating your voice is gone but uh, I I did Zoom colleges and it was crazy because wow, I'll do a college gig dope. now and I'll, I'm doing one soon you know, I go to Wisconsin and it pays. Uh, sixteen hundred, great for a stand-up gig. But I got to fly there, hotel. I was making that same money doing a Zoom college gig from my living room, 
just 50 minutes in front of my laptop. Well, I close yeah, it. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. You got to see something in the future of that. No, I mean, people are. People but it was have awful. Been, people but it was have, awful. But I think it'll it'll just start to get better. And people will start to realize, like, oh, I don't have to leave my couch. I got Uber Eats. And if I want to leave anywhere, I got Uber. And if I want to laugh tonight, instead of watching Netflix, because I've already finished Netflix, you know, I can watch Gianmarco Ceresi and pay $5 for sure. an hour. Sure. Listen, I think it'll get better. But I think yeah, yeah, like yeah. I, I think, think no so matter too. how good the same way I think no matter how good a, a porn or sex dolls get, people are still gonna fuck each other. Yeah. You know, like it'll never thing. it'll never right fully close the gap. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I'm I'm very interested to see what happens. But like you said, between the mix of improv and stand up, and especially in New York, the hub for previously for improv and the hub for stand up. You know, it was it, there was always two different things. So it's going to be interesting to see like how things come together. I worry. I always worry with with art where it becomes about like the following and the familiarity where it the quality of everything goes down. Yeah, I just I think like there was a time I I believe where you went to a comedy club because you trust the comedy club was going to put on a good show, and now a lot of people they go to the comedy club because they're there to see a particular person. And in a way, it was it was beneficial because if you're fill, putting butts in seats, you know, good for you. Yeah, you, totally. You get to do what you want. Totally. But in another way, I think then then too much power is is given up, and all of a sudden, people go to see maybe a TikTok person. I think they get a lot of hate, but there's a lot of them blowing up, and they go and they see it, and they go, I don't really like stand up, and it's like, well, you saw someone who sucks at it. Right. And Somebody who has the ability to work on that particular po- post for whatever it is, three hours, has a script, was doing this particular thing, whatever it is, a sketch or something that's funny and stands out on TikTok. So, yeah, um, yeah I think, like, I mean, like you were saying, you got you to gotta really go to the spots that know what they're doing in, the, in a comedy cellar, in a stand, maybe stand up New York, Caroline, something like that. Sure. And you, you hope quality prevails. You hope people get tired. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I also could see technology destroying art forever, and well, it's like NFTs and stuff. Yeah, I just, I just, it, 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 it all makes me nervous. It all makes me nervous. We're, we're just, I just think social media. It's, it's hard to stop. It's hard to control. It's very addictive. Yeah, man. And it just becomes about who are you familiar with, and not necessarily I discovering know, new, new. I know, man. I know. I but that's why I'm doing it. That's I why I'm on it. Exactly. I'm like, well, I, if you, you can either like me because you you know me, or I'm good. Or, One of the two. Well, now, like even you sitting on my couch, man. Think about how much better we've gotten to know each other than if we're just like DMing on Instagram, like every Absolutely. whatever it is, thirty minutes or some shit like that. Yeah. So, Gianmarco, what else you got, man? Oh my God! So I got my sketch team, Uncle Function. Yeah. Got a girlfriend. Also, let us know where we can follow you, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm at John Marco Cerezi. I'm on everything. <laughs> if, there, if a new app was developed before this came out, I'm on <laughs> it already. That. And all my videos are on there. Um, I'm making sketches, but I'm just touring, man. That That's where my focus is. That's where my passion Exciting, is. So just come dude. see me live. Absolutely. And then I find me on all the channels. So what um, is the next show that we should check you out on? Like your next show. That's when does this one come up? In uh, New York. We are releasing this on Monday. Monday. What day is Monday, man? Monday. Today, you guys know what day it is. Today is Monday. Monday, March 7th. March 7th. Yeah. Yes. So I'm, I'm in New York for, I always post my show schedule on Instagram, and I f- kind of find out my seller dates a week before, but that's definitely a place to see me. Uh-huh. But I'm also going to start doing uh, the first Sunday of every month an hour at this club called Sesh Comedy Club. It's this, li- it's this little place on the Lower East Side. Oh, dope. Super new. 
it's uh it's it's really great though and i i wanted to have a place in new york where i could like do an hour explore some new stuff check it out it's good so it's gonna be the first sunday of every month at 8 p.m i'm gonna do like i saw mike burbiglia do a show like this when he was working out his new show where i'm gonna open it i'm gonna bring on like two or three comedians throughout the night uh that are gonna bring their a and they'll crush it yes and uh it's a good way to get to know me and um, and then my podcast, The Downside. Listen to The Downside. That's Let's my go baby. On Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, everything. YouTube too. We're Let's doing go. it all. Wow, nice. We're dude. doing it all. Good for you, man. Good to hear, Gianmarco Ceresi, bro. Thank you so much for yeah. coming on the podcast, thank man. You for and uh, I want to get you on the Ted Jones Comedy Show, by the way, in April. So we'll figure out a date. We'll do it. All right, absolutely, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into Ted Jones World Podcast, and we'll see you on Thursday.